This is not an ideal situation. This is us trying to make the most of what we've got now. So I think this actually creates in us a real longing to come back together, not a here's an excuse now for me to never come back into a church again. That's a very different picture. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. I'm so looking forward to today's conversation with Dr. Chase Kuhn on the digital age and the biblical model for church. Chase is a dear friend and brother in Christ, raised in the U.S., but now living in Australia. He is the director of the Center for Christian Living and lecturer in theology and ethics at Moore Theological College in Sydney. He recently wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition on how our church structures may be undermining the gospel. It was this article and Chase's knowledge on the subject of what the church is that led me to reach out to him to share more and help us think clearly and biblically. Chase Kuhn, uh, I know it's early morning over there. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on Candid Conversations. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Chase, you know, we're thinking through this pandemic. We're thinking through uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, and it's really raised some questions about what the church is. What is it that we believe the church is? Uh, Some people are asking questions like, what role does the church play in my life? How important is it? Why don't you take a minute and just introduce us to yourself? What is it that you're doing right now at this moment? Yeah, I teach at a theological college here, a seminary in Australia, at a place called Moore Theological College, uh, where we train men and women to do gospel ministry all over the world. And uh, I particularly teach in the area of theology and ethics. I also direct a center called the Center for Christian Living, which is uh, a resource center of Moore College. And it's trying to help people all over the world in churches to think through what it means to apply biblical truth in our lives and context to all kinds of ethical issues, not just um, not just challenging issues like uh, abortion or something like that. Of course, we want to think about those things. But also, mm-hmm. when I read a passage in the Bible and I think about application, what does that actually look like for me to do that responsibly? And, um, and you've written an article for the Gospel Coalition as it relates to the digital church if we're not able to meet together. And that's obviously been a burden for people. And so I wonder if we could have like a 10,000 foot view of what is the church? What What is a proper biblical view of who the church is? Yeah. My summary for what the church is, is that uh, God gathers his people together uh, with him and with others that he's called to himself uh, to be in a rich fellowship And in particular, this fellowship is around uh, God's word. So we have something substantive that we're engaging with. We're listening to God, and we're Mm -hmm. doing that together. And even as we do that together, then we're not just meeting with one another, but we meet with God in that activity. And for the people that are asking that question of what role does the church have in my own life, what's your response to that, a question like that? Yeah, great question. Um, I think people are always questioning, you know, how important is church or how necessary is it? Could I miss church this weekend? Could I just watch something online? Could I listen to a podcast? There's actually something really important about us coming together. So I think there's been a long time misunderstanding that church is 
an identity. It's just kind of a big club that we belong to. And we have our membership card in our pocket. But actually, I think the clearer picture that the Bible gives us about what church is, is actually coming together, that we're gathering together as God's people. So we meet with one another. And there's something really purposeful about us being together, that is being in the presence of one another, to share life together, to serve one another, but especially, as I said before, to listen to God's word together and let that shape us up. So I think the the reason why I would tell people that church is important is because it's part of God's rich plan for us as his people, planned for us to be growing up uh, in one sense. The picture uh, that I love in the Bible is one of, of maturity. It's growing mm. up into kind of a mature human being, but it's actually us together being a body growing up. And I love that. Here in America, there's there's such an emphasis on individuality, uh, the individual person, individual rights, individual this, that, the other. And we've lost a little bit of that biblical picture of what it means to be part of something bigger. No doubt. Um, I think as sinners, we think about ourselves, and and usually we don't think beyond the end of our own nose. I mean, uh, this is one of the the hardest lessons, I think, about having a family. The first day I was married, I realized very quickly that I was very selfish. And uh, (laughs) as soon as I had children, that was just (laughs) multiplied exponentially. Exponentially, yeah. That's right. And yet that's part of the refining process for us, I think. And and I think church is meant to be doing that kind of same sanctifying work, whether you're young or you're old whether you're single or you're married, there's this exposure to a broader family that we belong to, and it's meant to be helping us think about others. And I think there's quite a few admonitions to us in the Bible to be considering others. You could think about Philippians 2, about um, not just being interested in your own needs and wants, for example, but actually putting the needs and desires of others and counting them as significant as your own. Uh, I'll just read it here since I've got it. Uh, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. And then we're given Jesus as the example who laid down his life. And um, I think that's what church is doing for us. But but in a digital time like this where we can't meet, uh, it's very easy to just turn in on ourselves to think about uh, protection, to think about the kinds of things that we ourselves are suffering uh, to think about the immediate needs of the present and not necessarily be thinking about the others that we belong to and what they may be feeling or experiencing or needing. Yeah, and help us think through that a little bit. You know, what are we to think of virtual church? You know, we have the passages like uh, Hebrews 10 of, uh, you know, don't be in the habit of not gathering together as some are. Uh, but, you know, we know that we're called to have this time together. So what do we think through this pandemic where it's almost uh, an obedience to the government to, to remain in our homes? I think that there's been some wisdom of why we've had to pull back. I think we often paint it as um, the government's against my religion or something like that. I, right. actually think, I think the government has real responsibility to protect our lives, and I think that's what they've been trying to do. Um, and in one sense, in, in an effort for us to love our neighbor – there's been real need for us to pull back for a while so that we can Mm. think about the safety of all. But um, when we think about church today online, we ought to recognize that this is not ideal, nor is it necessarily supposed to be the new normal. This is a temporary 
measure that many ministers and church teams, whether they be lay or, or, or whether they be paid staff or whatever it may be, they're actually putting in a lot of labor of love to try to keep people, if you will, meeting together. And I, I mean meeting as in not, we're not actually gathering together physically, but we're trying to do something common together to keep coming together under the word of God. And as I said before, this is not an ideal situation. This is us trying to make the most of what we've got now. So I think this actually creates in us a real longing to come back together, not a, here's an excuse now for me to never come back into a church again. That's a very different picture. I think what we have to see is that um, there is an opportunity for us to to genuinely meet. And, and what I mean is we are we are all signing on, hopefully, at a designated time to try and listen to the word together and to reflect on what that means for our lives. We're actually all offering prayers that are for our congregation. That is that we're praying for common issues and even common people. And in different churches, they've been able to carry this out to greater capacities than others, just based on resources, but ways to actually involve the congregation in the meeting virtually and try to help them have a higher level of participation. I love that people are watching their local church. They're, de- they're demonstrating a real commitment to them. I think that's, that's to be applauded. For those that are uh, looking around at other churches, I think there's been, you know, there's not a, a general uh, comment we can make because sometimes their local church hasn't been able to offer mm. online resources. Sure. And so they've had to look elsewhere in the interest of trying to stay connected to other Christians and or to be, um, you know, really receiving uh, help in this time as they hear from God's word. But um, I think there are also some, though, that have sort of searched out a better product in this time. And uh, mm. there are some churches undoubtedly that can offer a better product. I mean, higher production, uh, better quality, uh, everything than maybe their local church. I don't necessarily want to say that it's bad to ever check out other churches or to listen right. to other sermons or whatever else, but there's really something to be said about being committed to the people that you belong with people that you've given yourself to in fellowship church is so much more than the sermon. Yeah, but should I then not listen to podcasts, for example, of other preachers? No, I think that's a very fine thing to do. Listen to as much preaching mm. as you can. That's great. Yeah. But you always have to recognize that when you listen to a preacher, that preacher doesn't have you in mind the way that your local pastor does. Right. And that preacher hasn't been praying for you the way that your local pastor has. Mm. Uh, and so, I actually think there's something very much about committing yourself to a local church and even the leadership of that church that's really invested in your well-being and Christian maturity. And that pastor or pastoral team or ministry team is really working prayerfully to see you growing up in the Lord. This is uh, maybe slightly getting off of our our planned topic, but w- what are the things that you're looking for? Um, because this is a common theme that I see with a lot of young people um, is sort of the the church hopping mentality. And there's just sort of jumping around from one to one to one, and they're looking for something, but I don't know if they can necessarily articulate what it is. What are the things that you look for in a church when you're looking for a place where you and your family can belong? Yeah. 
just a quick word on the church hopping thing. I mean, this was one of my uh, my greatest frustrations when I was working as a minister uh, coming to Australia in particular. And Jonathan, you and I both served in a common context here in Australia. But um, there was a, there was somehow this collective wisdom that had been handed down through the ages in church circles here that it was a good thing to kind of go and see the world. That is to, you know, kind of move around a few churches while you're young. I can see why there there is advantage to getting experience in different contexts uh, and different ministries and other things. But I also think that this can actually drive a real uh, sort of consumer attitude to what church is meant to be. Mm-hmm. The fir- I mean, the first thing is n- there's no perfect church. So right. uh, every church is, is full of sinners and every church is led by a sinner. Uh, <laughs> that is, I mean, even when I was a minister, I, I, I knew my sins – better than anybody probably um that there are ways that i fail in my leadership and i think we have this idea that if i keep looking i'll find the the ideal church well the ideal church is actually men and women together even in their sinfulness seeking what it looks like to apply the gospel and i i think it's actually committing to each other in gospel truth to be working through differences, working through challenges and and all kinds of imperfections to see what it would be to honor the Lord Jesus, even in that whole mix of circumstances. And so I try to tell people that are thinking about church hopping, actually, the, the most noble thing I think is to actually get stuck in and, and grow up because the more you hop, the less you're known. And the more you hop, the less sort of relational capital you have to spend or uh, the less opportunities you have to genuinely serve the needs of people that you know very well. And so I think the, the, the more we could be invested in a group of people, the richer the opportunities that are uh, present to be loving and caring for them and for them to be doing the same for you. Now, it's not always a bad thing, by the way, to change church, but um, I think that it's a look before you leap issue. Now, when you're looking, though, before you leap into a context, uh, the primary thing I try to encourage people to do is think about, first and foremost, uh, is the Word of God central to what they're thinking about in, in their ministry? So is, is it actually the Word of God that is doing the work in that church? Uh, when you go on a Sunday, how present is the Word? Is the Word rich in the songs that are being sung? Mm. Are they uh, theologically uh, deliberate songs? Are the prayers informed by the Scriptures so that we're praying the promises of God? Um, mm. Is the preaching, certainly, is it a Word that's coming to us from the text of Scripture? And is it seeking to actually let the text be the substance of what we're digesting as a people and um is there opportunities for in the fellowship maybe not even on the sunday but potentially on the sunday and and beyond is there opportunities for men and women to be speaking the truth in love in a whole host of contexts and actually serving one another in a, in a range of ministries so how can they actually be invested in the body even as they're being invested in that's the kinds of things that i'm asking when i'm helping mm-hmm. people think through a church And we know that as the body gathers together, there's this need for understanding our gifting and and how we're able to utilize that to support the body. I wonder, and again, I know we're kind of branching off of our uh, plant topic, but now my curiosity has peaked. And I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on, to the individual who who doesn't maybe know or understand their gifting, or if they do, they didn't really, they don't really know how to exercise it or um, put it into practice in certain settings. What do you advise the person who's thinking that way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we get very nervous about um, identifying our gift, you know, this very mm. particular thing. 
And in some ways, that, that's actually a, a great thing to do, to say, I think I've got a gift in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's also, though, a bit problematic because you get painted into a corner so that I can't do anything sure. unless it's, you know, kind of this one niche area <laughs> that's my area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that what we're meant to be doing is kind of being heads up in church and saying, mm-hmm. look, I'm here and I'm meant to be loving people around me, and I'm meant to be willing to receive love. And I think this is actually a real practical expression of what it means to have the gospel. In other words, mm. um, if I understand that I am here only because of Jesus, then actually I don't have to be insecure about what I can or cannot offer, because I'm not belonging here because of anything other than Jesus. And likewise, I can receive people serving me because I'm content that the only reason why they're here and I'm here is Jesus. So it gets rid of any sense of sort of a rivalry of a, of a, what can I bring to make myself valuable? What can, uh, what do others have maybe that's better than me or stronger Mm -hmm. than me? I actually think that um, the gospel helps us to appreciate one another and to find our place gladly to give and to receive gladly in, in freedom. But the way that I help people think about it is have a go. You've got to have a try. That's a very Australian expression, isn't it? To have a go, but, um, <laughs> but just, just I'm get slowly out. getting them to use it here. <laughs> That's great, man. And obviously I'm, I'm originally American myself. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused nowadays, Jonathan, but, uh, I, I think what I, what I try to tell people is you got to have a try. So, the best thing to do is just find yourself in the middle of something and start having a try at serving in different ways and try a host of things and then listen to others. Ask people, you know, uh, is there something I could be helpful with? Have I been helpful in this? Would it be better if I did something different? Am I unskilled in this? And and recognize mm-hmm. that if somebody says, hey, this probably isn't your area, that they're not trying to be mean. They're just trying to help you find a better area. So mm-hmm. uh, I think having a try is much better than sitting back and saying, yeah, I just don't have any gifts to offer. I'm not really sure what they are. I think mm. these get discovered often in the efforts that we we put forward. Yeah, and that a lot of that comes back to the maturity issue that you were talking about because that requires a humility in being told you might not be so good in this area. Uh, when I think we all want to be the all star and 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 all excel in all areas or or a particular area that we want to excel in that maybe we don't. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and only the gospel is going to make us receive critical feedback appropriately. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, there's sort of active participants and there are the passive participants in a, any given church. What do you think stands in the way of people being those active participants? Yeah, um, I think it could be a couple of things. I, I think what we should say is that um, – there's fault on, on different sides. So uh, I was very aware when I was working as a minister of the ways that I didn't open opportunities for people to help serve, or I didn't give them a chance to really use their gifts and take their place in the body because I wasn't one creative enough two uh, disciplined enough to kind of work ahead so that I could involve others or a whole range of reasons. And so I think church leaders have to be thinking about how can I give people in this congregation the best opportunity to be taking their place in the body and using their gifts for service. But second of all, um, I think that that ought not to be an excuse. Oh, my minister hasn't asked me yet. Uh, That would be a terrible way of thinking about church. Right. (laughs) I think a lot of people... (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I I kind of, you know, I put a few bucks in the plate 
that's their job. I pay them to do the work. Uh, yeah. Or, or they, you know, they should just ask me and if they really valued me, they would ask. I, I'm mm. just telling you now, the reason why they're not asking isn't because they don't like you or don't care about you. It's because they've got a thousand other things to do that they can't actually think about right. what they need and who they need to help with. Uh, so, I think that what we have to really think about is taking responsibility for ourselves. So as much as I've just drawn attention to anybody else, like church leaders, I think the real responsibility comes down to each individual person. Hmm. And that is when you come to church, what is your mindset? A great diagnostic really is when you leave church, how do you think about it? Do you give an appraisal of, well, that was that was a good a good sermon or that was good music or hmm. whatever else? Because then what we're thinking about is the experience that we've had. Right. Uh, for the ticket we've used, you know, we've, we've put, we've had our entry ticket. We yeah. got in, we enjoyed the Almost show. Almost an entertainment level. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But, but actually the way to be thinking about it is much more participatory in, uh, in the whole experience. So when we sang that song, wasn't that a great reminder to us of this truth that, you know, we all really needed to hear. And actually that really helped connect some other things that we were thinking through. And when you think about the sermon, don't just think about, well, he was funny here or, or I wish he would have said more about this, but actually think about the ways that you were actively listening. So, mm-hmm. you know, on that first point, I recognized that there's something here that God is calling me to respond to, and I need to be taking action on that. And so we can be active listeners. We can be active singers. When somebody prays, you know, our amen to the prayer is saying, I'm with you in this. I'm praying with you. You're praying vocally for me, but I'm praying with you in my heart. And so everything we're doing, we're doing together in the congregation. So um, I I always want people to be thinking about how am I actually actively participating in this? But just as a segue, I think that the digital age of church online right now is really exposing a lot of our, our problems week in, week out when we actually are meeting together. Is that solidifying that sort of passive experience receiving only that may have already been there underlying uh, in a lot of church members? Well, absolutely. I think people are sitting here thinking, I'm on my couch. It's no different than when I'm there on a Sunday. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know why I actually need to be there. I mean, all I'm doing is listening to a sermon. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's just the wrong way of thinking about church. But but we've all kind of collectively fallen into this, I think. So what we actually have to recognize is, no, something's happening now where I'm sitting here just receiving, and I have to actually take extra steps to be actively engaged with what's happening on the screen. But when I turn up physically, I'm not just actually just receiving it just directly to me, but I'm actually sitting beside a whole group of people that are also receiving the same word and needing this word. And actually that word is meant to be collectively shaping us up together. So I need to be able to speak the right word of encouragement to the brother or sister next to me. And I need to be able to receive the word as I'm sharing life from the brother or sister next to me. And we actually need to be actively sowing into one another uh, these truths even as we're singing the songs collectively and hearing each other's voices, we're actually declaring truth to one another and reminding each other of these truths. That's an excellent word for us in this strange time when we can easily slip into that passivity. And I think even as pastors, I think it's easy to slip into that as a, I just get up and read or for a singer to sing and uh, as a preacher to get up and just preach and then sit down and and lose that connectivity with the church 
to lose that connectivity with that body that God has graciously given to us, uh, that we've been given to one another. And so uh, any other last thoughts that you may have as we're kind of thinking through uh, what the church is, uh, we're thinking through how to deal with the church in this digital age and during a pandemic? Yeah, a couple of thoughts quickly. Um, While we're at home and unable to meet or meeting in kind of a lesser capacity, my encouragement to so many and even to myself has been, how do I look beyond kind of my own four walls of my house or however many walls Mm -hmm. you have in your house? And how do I actually think about people that I'm connected with both as Christians, but also as non-Christians? So how can I be thinking about the gospel to the outsider? But how can I also be encouraging the brothers and sisters around me that I would otherwise see on uh, a Sunday when we meet together. But also, as I think about coming back, I sort of think, how do we want to emerge from this? Surely we need to emerge a bit different. And I can remember um, just times in my own sinfulness where I just want to kind of bolt out the door after church. Uh, There was this time we were in church in America. We loved being a part of church, but I can remember during the last song, I mean, masses of people just flooding out the door Mm. because they wanted to get in the car and hustle off to lunch before the queues built up. Uh, you know, the yeah. lines got sort of growing. And I just think that's a terrible way because all I've done is consume, and now I'm running to the next thing that I'm going to consume. But actually, I've got to start thinking about ways that I can connect with people as I meet in the flesh. And so uh, how can we, coming back, think the best thing about it is I get to be around these folks that I can love and serve and be loved and served by them. So how am I going to actually enrich these relationships of people that I have around me? Maybe it's that I come and I don't know anybody, or maybe I only know my small group. You know, Maybe every week you kind of think, it'd be great to just get to know one person or, or to have a purposeful conversation with one person each week that's going to be edifying. I think that would be a great goal for us as we think about how we'll emerge maybe even better in this as we think about the church. Chase Kuhn, we're thinking about the church and um, how to deal with the virtual church during this pandemic time. Thank you so much for coming on to Candid. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information on today's guest. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.